0: One of the people who is not only one of the most creative people I've ever met, but one of the nicest, Rick Wood, DaleWileyShow.com. So now I'm talking to my friend, Rick Wood, and Rick Wood and I had a conversation that was lost to the internet early on in the podcast thing. And I'm so happy that now we can have you back with much better technology.
1: Yeah, I, I like the technology it is better. And another part about you having lost the previous recording is since then, I've actually listened to tons of your podcasts. Okay, I well, that's awesome. Like a, I, I have a much greater appreciation for all of it. I have probably listened to like a couple dozen of them, all well, the different great. people that I, I know, that. and it's very fun.
0: I love that. And so let's first start by how
1: did you first get interested in music? Probably when I was a kid, just listening to the radio. I listened to, you know, go ahead. No, where was that? Uh, Growing up, my dad was in the military. So we were a little bit in Texas and Rhode Island, South Carolina, all over the place. (laughs) They're originally from North Carolina. So we listened to our share of country music as well as, you know, pop radio and stuff.
0: Well, that's good because, of course, you have the same same kind of love of music that I do, which is all kinds.
1: Yeah, definitely that.
0: Now, you also went to Virginia Tech. And so tell me how that kind of helped your love of music.
1: Oh, well, Virginia Tech. You know, it was the 70s and it was Southwest Virginia. So a lot of, you know, what was going on with like country rock and bluegrass and that whole thing. You know, I saw John Prine there and, you know, I saw a nitty gritty dirt band and, you know, all things, you know, country rock of the 70s. So that definitely informed a lot of my great
0: time to be there. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And so then what brought you to St. Louis? How did you get to St. Louis?
1: It was actually uh, my wife's first job out of uh, grad school, and she's worked at Boeing the whole time, and uh, we thought we'd just be here a little bit. You know, this is 1983. Really? We thought we'd wow. just go to city and see what, and you know, it might be a stepping point to somewhere else, but uh, right. we fell into a community of friends, and, and here we are. It's home. Well, let's also talk about your job,
0: because I think you have one of the coolest jobs in the world.
1: I make architectural models. I've been doing that since 1986. And uh, depending on when you caught me on that arc of my career, I was working 80 hour weeks, or sometimes the schedule being not so crazy, and I have time for my own projects, whether it's a compilation cassette, (laughs) or a a twang fest, or house concerts, or my weirdo artwork. Uh, But I depending on the week that you catch me, I could be doing varying combinations of all of the above.
0: Yes. And, you know, that's a big part of this, because you're one of the people that's been so involved in music and had it involved so many different aspects of your life. And so how first did the art
1: did the art influence the music or the music, the art? Uh, they were relatively separate, although I, I'd say my first love was music. And, th- and then, you know, I, I didn't really start expressing myself with uh, my own artwork until well after my musical enthusiasm had was deeply rooted.
0: Well, did, did it start before the house concerts or after?
1: Uh, I'd say well before, you know, I, I went through different phases, but I made a, a bunch of weird uh, cartoony furniture. I have a degree in architecture. And so I'd make this furniture that was sort of like uh, somewhere between architectural and cartoony. Did that oh for a while, and uh, yeah. So so yeah, I definitely. And then I did uh, a series of whirly gigs. These little wind up toys, you know, where oh you know, sort of like the the quintessential one is like uh, the wind blows and the little man chops wood. You know, sort of inspired by that, but mine are more uh, a field and. Twisted and irreverent than that. Funny,
0: Well, they're great, though. I love them. Thanks. You know, I think that that's one point that, like, you can't really explain how wonderful a house you have and how wonderful a community that go there until you've been to one of the Woodhouse concerts.
1: Thanks. Yeah, we, we, we're, we take pride in the whole deal. You know, it's part art gallery, part music venue, just part. Place for our friends to gather and meet new friends. A while back we went to a wedding of two people that met at one of our house concerts. And now <laughs> they have little kid I running know. around and stuff. So yeah.
0: And so let's start with the the music scene that led to the Ciceros and the nineties and how all that stuff got started.
1: I'd say my my little step into that world was I was good friends with Bob Reuter back in the day, probably okay. he's Everybody. late. Late 80s, uh, I, I briefly managed his band, which is both good and a headache, as you might guess. But uh, <laughs> around that time, uh, there was a, a, you know, we first saw Uncle Tupelo play in uh, Cicero's Basement Bar, you know, in front of, sometimes in front of like 30 people, you know, so early, early on. But we noticed that there was a scene of people that were influenced by country music in their rock right. and, uh, you know, big players in, the, in our little corner of the world at the time were the guys from Uncle Tupelo. Bob Reuter had his band. Uh, Kip Louie had a mm-hmm. band. Uh, you know, Brian Henneman's uh, started with Chicken Truck before uh, Bottle Rockets, but I made a little mm-hmm. compilation cassette that had all those folks yes. on it and, and a handful more. 1990, that uh, cassette compilation came out pretty yes, much the same week, same week as uh, No Depression by Uncle Tupelo. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Well, that,
0: I love that. And so let's talk about that compilation.
1: Um, yeah, it just, uh, it was all, it was kind of homegrown in that uh, I didn't have like a studio or a budget or any of that. So I basically solicited original recordings from, it's probably 15 different artists right? And all are varying quality, you know, sound quality, but we sort right. of cobbled it together in a working order. And I met tons of people in the St. Louis community and I'm still good friends with lots of them both through, you know, you know, just they come to the house concerts or twang fest or I right. stay because i on Facebook, that kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was kind of my introduction to the music scene was 1990 and the out of the gate compilation. And then you went back and did one again in 96. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. That was, you know, it was sort of like a, a you know, a, a snapshot of that point in time in the, music scene and by then the technology increased so it was an actual cd instead of the uh cassette <laughs> although it was kind of charming that it was a cassette you know that it was like yes you know, it was bad. and not that again
0: history. talks about the differences in the world between 1990 and 96.
1: yep yeah and, and of course now it's you know you don't even think about how much further oh evolved yeah it is from from that so but,
0: uh, it's such a totally different world
1: but, yeah, that uh, the, the 96 version of the Out of the Gate compilation was just a new generation of, you know, and nice, I really good friends with people like John Wendland from uh, One Fell Swoop and sure. uh, uh, Adam Reichman, who uh, went on to have the band Nadine, you know, his band Love with oh Sour Patch. The guys from Wagon were on it. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, new patrons of husband Hus- Husbandry. Uh, uh Fred had a song on it with uh the highway matrons so yeah it was definitely a, a fun thing and you know
0: i thought that one of the things that our conversation today of sending things back and forth i really loved wagon and i want to take a minute to talk about them mm-hmm. what um, do you think about
1: them? yeah they were uh uh you know uh they were on what was it high tone records Yes. And they were, you know, watch you guys. And, uh, you know, I didn't know them real well. I think Steve Roner might have been my kind con- of contact point with them. Right. And uh, it looked like they might be going somewhere. Uh, they're incredible oh, yes. musicians. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know whatever did or didn't happen with them. But at that moment in time, they, you know, they were on the compilation. That was a, yeah. a unique track that was not on any of their albums. So that was nice to yes. have like a little outtake uh, rarity.
0: And it's funny to think about that stuff and seeing it in that way. That you know, again, these were bands around that were no different than anybody else, except they caught a break. You know, the bands like
1: Uncle Tupelo were great, but they weren't any greater than some of the other bands. Yeah, well, that's that's an interesting theory. You know, I, I I tend to think Uncle Tupelo was great, and that they. Well, okay, I do too. I'm not. Dis-
0: I'm not disparaging that, but I'm just saying they got started in the same way.
1: Oh yeah, they absolutely did. Uh, you know, it is funny though that that you bring up that point because you know, like uh, uh, I was friends with Tony Margarito's working at Euclid Records back then, and he did a lot of work with Uncle Tupelo early on, and you know was you know uh, to a large degree responsible for their success. But he really he like, is right. But but at the same time, it at the heart of it was the substance of what uncle Tupelo did. You know, it's yes. not like Tony for all of his magic could have just grabbed another band and made them yeah. the yes. iconic star, you know, touchstone band that uncle Tupelo was. There was something in what they did that, that was unique and, and made them deserve it. I don't want
0: to make it sound like I'm not fully in favor of uncle Tupelo because they, no, no, I, I, no,
1: no, I know you weren't, but, but uh, yeah. So,
0: Right. You know, just because, especially in going back and doing this stuff and the podcast and everything else, it's really interesting to see how many of these things were kind of organic in sense.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I said, that that was the coolest thing about uh, doing this redo of this interview with you is in the meantime <laughs> I've gone back and watched tons of them. In fact, today I listened to, I listened to probably six different people that have all played in our house. I listened to the one with Kevin Russell, the Gord's played on my wife's birthday here. Uh, I listened to Jimbo Mathis and he's a a very, uh, you know, he's a real cool visual artist too, which, you know, uh, I don't know if you knew that, but uh, when he, um, he saw some of the weird art around my place and then he showed me some stuff uh, on video, he makes marionettes that do all this cool. Really? Creepy stuff, and it's—I uh, was fascinated, <laughs> and I've done some visual art uh, collaboration with John Langford, um, who right. I listen to his podcast that you you, you did. And he's played here, and we do things where I like—I'll cut out a plywood shape, a handful of them, and he'll paint them up and sell them in galleries, and then I get one out of the deal. Or I made like a little wind-up oh. toy based on That's one of great. his paintings so uh you yeah know, it's it, been a real that's cool thing. one of the
0: things that i love is just all the people i get to talk to and you know i just really think that that leads me into we've not been talked about your house concerts much yet but this musical map of missouri i think that's really going to be cool
1: i want your thoughts on that um it's a great idea was that your idea to uh to put this together or uh it was yes uh, well uh well hats off to you because it's a cool thing. And, uh, you know, and it meshes with so many different, you know, puzzle pieces that we, we we all are different pieces of that puzzle, you know, like, uh, exactly. in his book that, you know, thoroughly covers St. Louis and that particular corner. And then, you exactly. know, you with your record label, uh, tons of, uh, Springfield bands, right. and, uh, you know, and then just regionally, you know, like, over the years, we've had a bunch of different, you know, some Springfield bands, uh, you know, other, uh, you know, bands that have played at our place up, uh, you know, through twang fest, you know, we've been, this, uh, this would have been twang fest 24 this year, but it got you know, obviously postponed, but, you know, so we've been co- sort of contributing in our corner with that as well. So, uh,
0: definitely mm-hmm. yeah. more for brick wood after a break. Dale, Do
1: you love music? Do you know about the musical map of Missouri?
0: Dallas, Wayne, Chuck Berry, Dave, Alvin, Robbie Fulks, the Skeletons, the Ozark Mountain Daredevils, Uncle Tupelo, Wayne Carson, Nellie, Lou Whitney, Symptoms, Morels, City, Jeff City, St. Louis, St. Joe, Columbia, Buckle of the Bible Bell, studio on South Avenue in Springfield, 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 Springfield,
1: Missouri. Add the Missouri Music Podcast to your list of favorites. Lawyer, author, and Slewfoot Records label owner Dale Wiley takes you on a musical trip around Missouri while raising funds for Musical Map of Missouri, a nonprofit organization which will help ensure Missouri musicians affected by COVID 19. Visit MissouriMusicPodcast.com for more information. Tune in to the Missouri Music Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
0: More for Brickwood,
1: DaleWileyShow.com. It's a fun And thing. again,
0: let's talk about TwangFest. Then how did that first happen?
1: Well, uh, I, I w- originally I was just a fan and would attend. I wasn't one of the original organizers, but apparently that started as um, an internet chat group, and they all figured out, hey, we're a big fans of this music. Too. We are all in bands. Let's get together in St. Louis, middle mm-hmm. of the country, and play for each other. And right. over time... Uh, it evolved instead of, you know, these kind of minor league bands, uh, fans playing for each other and staying up partying all night at the hotels. You know, eventually different, you know, people got older. We It sort of evolved more into a thing where we would get actual uh, bands that uh, were more established, had, yes. uh, you know, uh, a reputation. And we put it on at Off-Broadway. And I've been booking the bands for that for the last handful of years Yes, and uh, yeah, it's it's going strong. We well, do a crossover. Of thing. Go ahead.
0: Tell me some of your favorites of that. that you oh, of my
1: oh, uh, yeah. actually, some of the uh, ones early on when uh, when it was, it was some real underground favorites. Like we love this uh, this soul band from Detroit called the uh, um, the Dirt Bombs. They're one you know, like kind of a soul slash garage band, and uh, just just tearing it up in uh, in the duck room, like, I don't know, 12 years ago or something like that. Uh, but yeah, we have some favorites. We really love uh, anything that Steve Wynn does whether it's Steve Wynn in the Miracle Three or uh, yeah. Dream Syndicate, that that was fun. Um, right? But yeah, lo- lots of favorites. Oh so, yeah, the Waco Brothers played Twangfest 1 and Twangfest 10 and Twangfest 20. So they're kind of a <laughs> recurring favorite of ours. Uh, we've had Alejandro Escovedo. Uh, the, the other curious thing about Twangfest is we're a pretty modest sized venue, you know, like we our we shows are at Off-Broadway 375 capacity. We had Tupacunk uh, yeah. last year, which was a real coup for us to get them. But but along the way, certain times we've been able to get bands right before they they get really big. Like we had the Avett Brothers play it at the oh, tap room, and now they play like you know Red Rocks and stuff like that, like Three Nights at Red Rocks. But you know we caught them when they were like the middle act of three at the tap room, or we had uh, Jason Isbell play in the Duck Room, and now right. of course he plays like uh, the Opera House and stuff like that. So uh, we, we yeah, given our our uh, musical taste and our, the size of our venue, we often catch bands you know before they they blow up big.
0: Well, you know, and again, of course, we got to go down and pay some respects, not to the deck room, which was great, but let's talk about Cicero's
1: for a minute. Oh, been there. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was uh, that's kind of my original scene, you know, before the know. music lounge. I know. Uh, yeah. Cicero's basement bar, you know, is uh you know, like the head height was, uh, depending on how tall you were, you could set your beer on the I-beam. and. Yes. Uh, and there was if there and there's be you know water or whatever it was dripping from the ceiling. Place could hold maybe I don't know like 120 people. I don't even remember the official oh, capacity, but uh, but so uh, yeah, it was home. It was it not really, illegal to be there five nights a week. Yeah, Go ahead.
0: what were some of the bands that you liked there? What were some of the most oh, fun?
1: Let's ones? see. I, I uh, you know I, I saw tons of touring bands. The thing about Ciceros was you know, I I was super thirsty for indie rock and that kind of thing back in the day. And I'd be reading, digging through music magazines, typically option magazine or jet lag or any of those. And anytime I see something I was interested in, I'd circle and I'd buy the records and within the next month or two, they'd show up on the, on the schedule of Cicero's, you you know, and I was very enthusiastic about it all. I'd go out to hear music three or four nights a week and, uh, you know, over time, you know, you can't. You know, I'm in my 60s. You know, you know, I'm not as I don't. You know, nobody makes it out right now to hear music, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of a golden era. Was uh, Ciceros and going out to hear bands. You go out to hear. You don't even know who you're going to hear, but you know you're going to know friends in the crowd and the exactly. cover card is manageable and uh, really luckily to find somebody you know. It was so
0: good. It's so good. And so also, let's talk about the house concerts
1: now. Tell me how that got started. Um, it started just almost uh, accidentally. Um, we knew this band, Thad Cockrell, uh, actually mm-hmm. Thad okay. Cockrell and Carrie. It was, uh, you know, when they had their, uh, their, uh, duo record out mm-hmm. and they were on a yeah. little mini tour, uh, up into, uh, the upper Midwest, like Chicago, Minneapolis, that kind of thing. And they, uh, somehow got word to us that, uh, they were looking to play a bar in St. Louis on their way back to Nashville next Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I don't know of a bar that's going to book you on like four days notice, but I guess you could play at our house. <laughs> and uh, and we didn't really know what we were doing. We barred someone's PA and uh, we didn't know how many people would fit in the room. We you know, But we got like, you know, gathered up like 40 or 50 friends and each of them paid 10 bucks or something. And it, and it was just magical because, you know, that record, uh, Caitlin Carey and Thad Cockrell, it was like my favorite record that particular month and there they were in my living room playing it all and <laughs> yes. it was, you know it was just amazing it was just magical yeah
0: and so tell me about some of those moments who are some ones that really stand out to you
1: uh, well that was certainly one uh and they they go in different uh you can almost like categorize them you know like in some ways like i you know i've had the pleasure of having some of my all-time favorite musicians play right in my house yeah. you know like matthew sweet I know. Charlie Leuven or uh Chris Hillman. Right. So so you know, there's there's that end of it, you know, like, golly. And then there's just these little <laughs> under the radar surprises that like who'd have guessed, you know, like uh uh like I really love Porter Hall, Tennessee. And you know, they you I know love them. not too many people they're heard of, them, them, like- but you know. Yeah. Of yeah. Of course
0: they're, that they're- was funny when we first met, I you really didn't know that I had started Sufet. and So that was
1: oh, cool. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. And that's the cool thing, too, is that I was a total fan of all the bands on that record label. And <laughs> yes. then I found out,
0: oh, you're the guy. How cool is yes, that? Yes, exactly. And so that's the thing that, again, is so cool to, to meet these people. It's like Steve Carosello said yesterday, all these people that, you know, you meet and get to know and get to be friends with.
1: Yeah, it's uh, that's absolutely true. And and the more I listen to your podcasts and hear different people chime in with their story from their particular corner, it right. uh, lashes out a picture of, uh, you know, like just this, uh, you know, a tapestry of, you know, exactly. everybody how, in their little corner and how it all comes together.
0: So fun. Yeah. I totally like all that stuff. And so who are some people that need to be featured on the musical map of Missouri? Give um, me some names.
1: Uh, let's see. Uh, on the musical map, well, you probably, you know, if uh, a good starting point from my corner would be uh, that book that Steve and Amanda did. And right. so you probably know all of those, you know. So if I were to say, you know, Bob Reuter or, you know, uh, you know, uh, I don't even know, you know, uh, the skeletons obviously played our place, but I don't need to tell you about the skeletons. You know?
0: <laughs> yes. Uh,
1: but uh, but yeah, those are, those are definitely some some bands that uh, would you know who knows maybe the house concert scene would be a little corner that well, you' not familiar with I you know really there's a bunch of people that do them.
0: Totally intend to include that stuff. That's part of the deal. You and Angela and all the stuff you guys do,
1: right? Very there's, cool. Stuff. There's a good a couple of good ones in Colombia. There's um, you know they're they're around, yeah.
0: Right, and you know that's. As much as you need to have record stores on there and yep. record um, state radio stations on there, you need to have places that are doing this music. You know, it's just there's so much more than you even can imagine, and that's what we're starting to draw out and figure out how to put on a map.
1: Yeah. So will this be an actual map, Will or will it be more uh, uh, a feature about uh – Missouri music and, or uh, will there be a map associated with it? There definitely
0: will be. What we're trying to do is we're trying to create certain people that'll be on the map of their faces and then all the other places that are going to be able to be drawn on or whatever needs to be said. And I've got so many things that I want to make sure get highlighted on. But that's the whole idea of doing this thing. I want to be a map. I want people to be able to get on there and put their own bands on there. I want people to be able to pay for that, right? Because this is all a COVID-19 relief thing. Uh And, you know, that's what we're trying to do is I told you about this right at the first. I thought about this about 10 years ago. Uh And I actually brought the idea to you and we talked about it, you know, and so...
1: So you where know, it stands that, now, do you? Uh, what do you see as being the final, the finished product? Is it a website? Is it a CD? Is it a concert? Uh, what is it? Well, what we're trying to
0: do is we want to raise money for musicians through a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And I've already talked to all the people that need to be involved, or you know, maybe I haven't, but we definitely want to get all this stuff together and then put it up as a Kickstarter and be able to have people support it and. You know, pe- more people to contribute
1: to all this stuff. Uh huh. It's so, really kind uh, of no, thing. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. You tell Okay. Me. Yeah. So, so, okay. So, I'm uh, to understand this. It's a, it's a, it's a Kickstarter uh, project, and then on the Kickstarter site, you would have links to uh, showing what you've discovered and are presenting uh, as this musical right. map.
0: Again, the idea of what we're trying to do is we're trying to create, we've got a great visual artist, Doug Herb, and Uh we're trying to create the actual musical map that will be available for people like you that want to buy this thing and this thing and this thing. And then we're going to have bands like Big Smith and everybody else that are going to want to be on there because we want to include the names no matter what, but we want to include them and have additional like, limited edition, you know, maybe a Big Smith t-shirt or whatever. And then you have that drawing and that goes to benefit COVID-19 and makes everybody happy.
1: Cool. Yeah. Big Smith. That's definitely one. uh, They they played our place. They played twang fest. They're uh, they're, they're about as Missouri as it gets.
0: But that's the deal. I want everybody to be able, you know, it's kind of a unique and kind of an amorphous concept, but the idea that we want to do is we want to raise as much money as we can for people that also kind of relates to all the different musical styles and all the stuff from rap to old timey, you know, the stuff that was coming out in the twenties, you know,
1: whatever it is. Uh-huh. Well, you know, good so- luck with it. And, uh, let me know how I can help.
0: Oh, we will. I'll be talking to you, no doubt. But I just loved having you on here and getting to talk. And any last thoughts or anything else you want to say?
1: No, that's pretty much it. I'm, I'm, uh, like I said, having heard so many of these other people that have contributed to it. I'm just happy to be one piece of the <laughs> bigger puzzle. And. Well-
0: I'm just so happy. And I was so, I just don't know what happened to that deal, but I thought I was doing the right thing and I was doing the wrong thing. And as it turns out, I'm so glad that now we've had enough time to get enough people on here to be able to get you back. Love it.
1: uh, My pleasure. It's a good talking to you.
0: Oh, yes. Thank you very much. DaleWileyShow.com.